Get ready to rumble. Shilling Show Unleashed on the Seven Thunders Media Network. Former city councilor, husband, father, and community watchdog. Your host, Rob Schilling. Welcome to the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Remember, your direct support makes our show possible, and you can directly support this podcast by visiting shillingshow.com and then clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page to make a monthly contribution. We appreciate your support. The Shilling Show Unleashed podcast welcomes Dr. Robert W. Malone, MD, MS, a physician, a researcher, inventor of mRNA vaccination, and author of the new book, Lies My Government Told Me, and The Better Future Coming. And Dr. Malone, it's a pleasure to have you on the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. And my pleasure also, Rob. Uh, as you know, we're neighbors, and I've been down there to your studio in the past early on. I'm really glad to have a chance to chat with you again. I'd like for us to start with an overview of the present state of the American medical establishment, because I think a lot of people, Dr. Malone, are still asleep and believe this establishment is out for their own good. We have a problem. The, you're referring to the medical establishment. Yes. What's happened after imposition of Obamacare is a massive consolidation of clinical practices into these very large hospital-centric organizations. And the consequence of that is there are very few physicians left that have any operational autonomy. They've all become employees, and they have to do whatever their employer wants. Those employers are very much driven by issues of legal liability. And so we have basically most of the physicians in the United States are now under the thumb of MBAs and lawyers. The MBAs and lawyers love the idea of protocol-based medicine, where you have an agreed protocol, and if somebody comes in and checks the boxes on the symptoms, then the doc should go ahead and treat according to protocol. That's what's happened in COVID with the remdesivir and ventilation deaths, excess deaths, and the unwillingness to implement early treatment and alternative treatment. All of that work that's been so successful in saving lives. Typically over 98% of all people that present with COVID disease that are given early treatment with these alternative treatment strategies survive and do quite well. Most of them stay out of the hospital, but the only people that have had the latitude to use those treatment protocols are the few remaining independent physicians, people in integrative medicine, doctors of osteopathy, the people that we previously thought were the fringe are the ones that have turned out to be the innovators. And the rest of them are all stuck in this system where they're typically deeply in debt and totally controlled by large corporations and told what to do and how quickly to do it. Dr. Malone, you begin the book talking at extent about your being red-pilled And I don't want to spend too much time on it because we all know that it's happened, but tell us a little bit about the pre and post. Uh, What woke you up and what opened your eyes? Well, for me, it's really been a gradient, a series of events. 
But the chapter in the book is referring to the events that happened in February and March of 2020. I had received a phone call from Wuhan from a CIA officer named Michael Callahan asking me to spin up a team to respond to the novel coronavirus. And by that, he's referring to my history of working closely with the Department of Defense and a variety of experts through prior outbreaks, including Ebola and Zika. He asked me to get going. I got that scientific team up and running, largely on volunteer labor. Uh, my wife, Dr. Jill Glasspool Malone, started writing a, a short book, about 100 pages, all scientifically referenced. I wrote a chapter in it and I helped edit it. And she self-published it on Kindle through Amazon and also printed a paperback copy through Amazon with the idea that she could update it periodically with new information. And on the third update in early March of 2020, suddenly Amazon would not allow it to be updated. And uh, we asked and asked and asked, could just got a stonewall until finally they revealed our sin, which was we had violated community standards. We'd never heard this phrase before, and there was nothing in the community standards about public health or vaccines or anything else. But she tracked that down, and what was this was really the consequence of a series of meetings that had been held in the White House with the World Health Organization, Amazon, Google, etc very early on, really before officially the White House considered that there was a crisis, they were already planning the censorship and in our case deployed it very early. So that was the starting point of me realizing that I was no longer in Kansas, that the experiences that I'd had in multiple prior outbreaks as an expert in this area were no longer relevant, that this was something very different than anything I'd ever experienced before in terms of the government's response, the propaganda, the censorship, and all the things that we've come to accept as the norm now over the last three years. One of the things that has concerned me greatly, and I know it's concerned you and many others, is the suppression of medications. And I would like to talk briefly about hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, particularly, and also the attack on prescribing physicians, which we've seen over and over again. I have had long COVID. I also am vaccine damaged, just to put a check mark on that. Yes. I took the two Moderna jabs. When you'll recall, since you're here in the Charlottesville area, that was being deployed by the National Guard. And so I, I got my two Moderna jabs because I had long COVID and I needed to travel internationally. I also had developed long COVID from when I was infected in Boston in the end of February 2020. So I got the original Wuhan strain. It hit me really hard. I treated myself using some of the drugs that we'd identified with the DOD in our drug repurposing efforts, but it still didn't resolve it. I was just dragging. I was put on ivermectin at one point, and the physician that prescribed it wants to remain unidentified because yes. uh, they've taken her license now. Mm. But it made a huge difference in my stamina. I could suddenly hike and just exercise, had better stamina than I had had before, but I was still lagging. And recently, I 
went to a local physician in Rappahannock County named Brooke Miller. So Brooke and Ann Miller are the only ones in Rappahannock County right now, to the best of my knowledge, that have a practice that's providing early treatment for COVID. Mm. And they put me on the FLCCC recovery protocol, which includes those agents as well as steroids and other agents. That has made a huge difference in my life. Uh, I have far more stamina now, longer stride length, uh, exercise tolerance, and I've had to have specific treatment for my hypertension, uh, high heart rate, tachycardia. It is the consequence of the damage that I got from the second shot of Moderna that I received. So I have personal experience and also had advocated for the use of ivermectin together with famotidine and, and celecoxib in clinical research under DOD funding. But the FDA blocked that. They would not allow us to proceed with any ivermectin trials until we had proven the mechanism of ivermectin as an antiviral using cell culture. This is a standard that has never been applied to any other drug repurposing. I also, for a while, had sat as an observer on the NIH Active Committee, which was their organization under the foundation for NIH that managed uh, the drug repurposing trials and many of the drug trials for COVID. And while there, I, I directly observed uh, Merck personnel that were participating in decision-making for the NIH committee uh, actively trying to stop or block ivermectin trials going there. I mean, the stories here, and then of course, there's the documentation and video of Rick Bright, formerly director of BARDA, now working for the Rockefeller Foundation, colluding and admitting to colluding with Janet Woodcock to basically circumvent the will of the president regarding making hydroxychloroquine available. That is that is completely documented now. Of course, it's a great source of anger from Peter Navarro, who had sourced enough hydroxychloroquine to basically treat the entire United States, and then that got destroyed. I mean, the, the stories here are unbelievable about what's happened. It just goes on and on and on. There's two things related to this, Dr. Malone, I'd like you to comment on. Number one is I thought we were living in a right-to-try state, uh, whatever became of right-to-try. And number two, uh, the pharmacies were intervening on behalf of Big Pharma. I had a terrible time trying to get an ivermectin prescription filled by Kroger. I fought with them for three or four months and finally got it. What's going on in those two instances? So I've actually visited with the attorney general here in the state of Virginia and together with Peter McCullough. The, my impression was that the governor and his attorney general are intimidated by the fact that they have a, they do not have the support of their legislature. Mm. And they are stepping very carefully, unfortunately, as opposed to, say, Ron DeSantis, yes. to avoid controversies regarding the schools, regarding these policies. And there's no question that here in the state of Virginia, there has been this widespread uh, willingness of pharmacies to block availability to these licensed, known safe drugs. So 
So it's no surprise that people have resorted to things like horse paste because they're blocked from getting human-grade material. This is not the case in other states. Uh, work closely with the leadership in the state of Florida. I've testified before the Texas State Senate. Uh, myself and, and my physician colleagues have testified in Tennessee before the legislature and helped get that bill passed that allows ivermectin to be dispersed over the counter in yes. their pharmacies. What's happened here in Virginia really illustrates the consequences of our slick government right now, which has created a inability of the government to make uh, good decisions. Everything's politicized. Everything's turned into war. Unfortunately, they're they're fighting a war over people's health, as well as all these other issues that have become politicized. It's really unfortunate. And pharmacists are not supposed to be able to block prescriptions from physicians unless there is some clear evidence that the patient would be harmed. And there is no evidence of harm from ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine that I'm aware of. These are extremely safe drugs. They've been administered literally billions of doses to humans. Ivermectin, of course, was awarded the Nobel Prize, but these are agents which are off patent and available in generic form. And that's not apparently in the interest of the pharmaceutical industry or in the interest of our FDA that is funded by the pharmaceutical industry seems to be the case. And it, it's hard to dispute that thesis that what we're really dealing with is the capture and compromise of our regulatory uh, health processes across the United States being NIH, CDC, and FDA. The Schilling Show Unleashed podcast, our guest is Dr. Robert Malone returns in a moment. Support this podcast online at shillingshow.com. Borderhawk.news is a one-stop shop with the latest news about immigration, nationalism, and globalism. The Borderhawk staff daily curates immigration news stories and in the fashion of the Drudge Report, updates the site with cutting-edge content and original first-class commentary. Borderhawk.news highlights national and international media reports, tweets and nuggets buried in local news blurbs, polls, video clips, and policy research. Borderhawk is pro-legal immigration, pro-rule of law, but against an unsecure border as countless Americans have suffered violence at the hands of criminal illegal aliens. And an increasing number of Americans are concerned about how mass migration affects their daily life. Borderhawk.news will remain on the forefront of the immigration issue with a buffet of info to read, evaluate, and share. Bookmark Borderhawk.news. Add them on social media at Borderhawknews on Twitter. Get your fix. Shilling Show Unleashed. Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. We continue with Dr. Robert W. Malone. The new book is Lies My Government Told Me and the Better Future Coming. Dr. Malone, I'd like to go to this controversy over what is a vaccine, the changing definition, and why we're living in a time when we can't even come to a common definition of a word that we've known about for years. Or likewise, they've redefined 
uh, what an anti-vaxxer is, this pejorative. Mm -hmm. And now anybody who is against mandated acceptance of an experimental medical vaccine is considered an anti-vaxxer formally, Mm -hmm. uh, which, of course, has just destroyed the potential propaganda value of that term. And so now they're turning from accusing people of being anti-vaxxers. The new pejorative is to try to label people as anti-Semitic because anti-vaxxer no longer has any potency. A large fraction of the human population in the U.S. uh, adults now personally identify as, quote, anti-vaxxers. So that strategy didn't work. This has all been very Orwellian, this manipulation of words and the meaning of words, as well as the memory holding, another term that George Orwell coined, withdrawing of information from the public sphere uh, by deleting it from the web and even deleting it from a web archive material that's available. In the case of vaccine, apparently the definition of vaccine as previously accepted by the government could not be stretched to fit these gene therapy-based products, which they've denied that they are gene therapy technology-based, but the only vaccine available in the United States that's not gene therapy-based for for SARS-CoV-2 is the Novavax product, and that product manufactured in Caterpillar cells also has the significant cardiac and coagulation toxicity. It, it involves injection of spike protein previously manufactured as opposed to manufactured in your cells. So they had to change the meaning of the word vaccine to fit the products that otherwise uh, could not be defined as vaccine based on the government's own language. A, akin to this, and I'm surprised they haven't corrected it yet, is the government's own definition of what constitutes gain-of-function research is absolutely aligned with what Pfizer acknowledges, not just in the recent Project Veritas leaks, but in a prior Stat News article from a few months before that people overlooked. Pfizer is absolutely performing gain-of-function research here in the United States according to the definition that the U.S. government is. We have this manipulation of language going on throughout this last three years. And we also have clear, clear documentation now from multiple sources, including, of course, the Twitter files, the lawsuit against Google and the U.S. government, various FOIAs, FOIAs from Canada, from Australia, New Zealand, the U.K. We have had military-grade PSYOPs propaganda technology deployed against civilian populations, technology that was designed for fighting al-Qaeda or the Taliban, has been deployed actively in all of the Five Eyes nations to try to coerce and compel citizens to take these unlicensed products that we now know are neither safe nor effective. Dr. Malone, we're seeing an increase in all-cause mortality, deaths rising, coinciding with the vaccine mandates. You talk about this in the book. We're seeing this trend of people uh, died suddenly, hashtag young people, healthy otherwise, dropping dead. What's going on with all of this? The honest truth is it's multifactorial, Mm -hmm. but 
it, it appears that a significant fraction are vaccine-associated deaths. There are known pathophysiologic mechanisms of action which are consistent with these sudden deaths. There is a very nice compendium of cause unknown epidemic of sudden deaths in a book published by Ed Dowd that you can find as well as Bobby Kennedy's book about the real Anthony Fauci in our book, Lies My Government Told Me and The Better Future Coming. Those are all available until next Monday for free as Kindle editions through Amazon. So anybody that wants to look further into the uh, sudden death epidemic or any of this other information can access it for free using eBooks. I want to go to some of the lies that the government has told us because that's the headline of your book. And uh, let's start here, that everyone has a significant risk of death from COVID-19. Uh, that really put the fear into the entire nation. It also was weaponized to put fear into politicians mm-hmm. all across the world and really weaponized to drive them to accept very unreasonable contract terms for purchase of these, quote, vaccine products. We now know that much of that fear was propagated as propaganda from China. It's still unclear whether that was done by the CCP and many indications that it was versus some dissident group. But all the video of people dying on the street, uh, the rapid build of the hospital, if you remember all that, that was all propaganda and it was pushed into the U.S. government through the national security apparatus in the White House and then down. So there was direct import of Chinese propaganda that was used to not only drive public opinion, but also drive fear on the part of our political apparatus and that of the European Union, uh, African nations, Great Britain, etc. All this was weaponized and it was all a false narrative. We now know that. How many times have you seen people dying in the streets here in Charlottesville? It's just not happened. Are we seeing people walking around in hazmat suits in Charlottesville scooping up bodies like some scene from Monty Python, bring out your dead? No, none of that has happened. It was all propaganda. And it was used as fear porn to drive behavior and drive acceptance of these policies that were totally counterproductive. The lockdowns, the masks, the social distancing, all of that was arbitrary and capricious. It had no basis in science. Let's talk about some of the policy decisions briefly and the after effects. As you mentioned, they were counterproductive, in fact, dangerous and caused deaths that did not need to happen. So maybe one or two of those. Most notable was the lockdowns. Everybody can remember 14 days to flatten the curve. The logic was that we were having or we're going to have this huge surge that would overwhelm the hospitals. We now know throughout the world, number one, it had been the policy in the U.S. government and at the WHO not to do lockdowns in response to a infectious disease outbreak like this. And for some reason... I guess because it's the policy that was implemented at the CCP in China, the West felt like they had to mimic what was going on in China. Now, there's been a lot of tracking of how that happened in the case of the United States, and that China model seemed to have been imported 
into the United States through a gentleman named Pottinger, who was a China hand, who was directly involved in the appointment of Deborah Burks to head that committee for which she was not really qualified, as, as we now know. All of that was pushed into uh, the population and into the U.S. government, the logic of the lockdowns, etc., flipping U.S. policy, flipping WHO policy, because it was believed that it had been successful in China. Even in the island nations, like, for instance, New Zealand, where they did successfully keep the virus out for a while, all that did was delay the inevitable. And when the virus finally got in, it did overwhelm their hospital system for quite a while. So none of this was well-reasoned. Absolutely, it's a cause of loss of, you know, destroying businesses, destroying economy, resulted in the most massive upward transfer of wealth in written history, depression, suicide, drug abuse. The list goes on and on. It's a huge avoidable human tragedy. Dr. Malone, finally, I would be remiss if we couldn't talk about the better future coming because lots of us are looking for hope in all of this. What do you see? Number one, people have a choice. They can be victims or they can learn uh, what is fifth generation warfare. There's some good material available about that on the web, including in ebook form. Michael Flynn has a new book. Understand what fifth gen warfare is. It is what's been deployed on you over the last three years. The documentation for that is clear and unequivocal. And once you learn it, you'll become more immune to it and you can use it yourself. You can become a warrior instead of a victim if you so choose. You don't have to be a victim. And the better future that many people all over the world, I've traveled over 400,000 miles last year and it's not slowing down this year. What many people all over the world look forward to is instead of a centralized, globalist, dark, fourth industrial revolution, fusion of man and machine future of transhumanism, rather a, a much brighter future of humans aggregating or developing or living within political structures that are more decentralized, which is exactly what Thomas Jefferson and those brilliant white guys uh, that were landowners that are so often demeaned. They understood the value of decentralization and limited federal government as opposed to the centralized, unelected future that is trying to be shaped by the World Economic Forum. And that is the better future. It was uh, George Orwell, in an early edition of 1984, wrote a foreword in which he said that he predicted that we would eventually end up in a pharmaco state where we would all be drugged into submission. And the only way to avoid that, as far as he was concerned, is to try to develop decentralized government and organizational structures. I think that's the better way forward. That's how we can move towards realizing our full potential as a human species. I think that we need to open our hearts to our colleagues, not to forgive the likes of Tony Fauci, but to recognize that all of the people around us have been subjected to this military-grade propaganda. Some people have been resistant to it. Many people have succumbed. That doesn't mean we should hate them. They've been manipulated. We should 
try our best to help them, help them out of their hypnosis. These are words of wisdom. Dr. Malone, if people want to get a copy of your book, Lies My Government Told Me, or if they'd like to follow you and your work online, tell us how, please. The best follow is to subscribe to our Substack, which is free. You can choose to pay if you wish, but if you subscribe, it will come to your email inbox unless you're using a Microsoft product, and then it will go into your junk mail. Uh, that's rwmalonemd.substack.com. On all social media, virtually, it's at rwmalonemd. We're at uh, almost 1.1 million followers on Twitter. For more information about the World Economic Forum, the Young Leaders Training Program, etc., you can find that on maloneinstitute.org. Thanks a lot for the chance to speak to you again. I look forward to our next uh, our next tip. Indeed, anytime. Dr. Robert W. Malone, thank you for being a brave warrior. And thank you for joining us today on the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. That concludes another edition of the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Visit us online at shillingshow.com where you can directly support this podcast by clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and making a monthly donation. Your support is essential for the continuation of the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Until next time.